Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. What's up, y'all? How are we doing today? Good. I'm trying to fill out the room. Who's excited about the uh, service change, uh, service time change to 9 a.m.? Some, yeah, y'all are up at like 6 a.m. They're, they're the early birds, y'all. Man, I wish I was like you. I'm like, gosh, 9 a.m., that means we got to get here earlier. Good times, good times. We'll figure it out. So uh, as uh, Anthony mentioned, we are in our fourth week of First Peter. I'm very excited for what we're doing. Uh, to catch y'all up, uh, Jeremiah's been taking the last month off, and so thank you all for just for... Uh, I think just being flexible as just, you know, me, Mark, Brian into the rotation. Jeremiah's back next week, so excited for that. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and then, you know, as, as you all know, like, I'm still in this, like, allergy saga. Shout out the allergies, am I right? So check this out. I, just, I thought this would just be fun. Uh, Matt, you'll love this. Uh, I was at an ENT doc appointment, uh, ear, nose, and throat. And so they're trying to figure out what's up. Do I need to see an allergist or, or, or what's going on, right? And so like, he's like, all right, he sprays two things up my nose and he walks out. And then the medical assistant like brings this tool in and it has this thing that's this long. And my anxiety, I'm, it was like just steadily rising, rising, rising. And I'm just like, okay. And they, everyone just never, no one's telling me what's gonna go on. So I'm like, What's what tell what's what's the deal here? Medical assistant comes back. I'm like, so uh, can y'all set some expectations? Like, what's about to happen, right? And they're like, and I'm like, is that going in my nose? And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, really? Like, really? I'm just here for some allergies, man. Uh, and yeah, that 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 happened. Uh, it's not as bad as you think. So if you ever come about it, like, uh, come talk to me. But yeah, that whole thing reminded me of those. Those kids in high school with the little noodle, they're going back and forth, you know, that trick. You're like, I don't know if I want to really learn that. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like that. But uh, today's talk uh, in First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think uh, in advance, I'm going to tell you that you're going to need the Holy Spirit to uh, decode what this means for you in your life, right? Some of the things we're talking about this week, next week, like you're going to need the Holy Spirit of like, what does this mean for me in my context, in my life, whatever I'm going through? Um, but I'm super happy to, to talk with you all through it. Um, so let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, just thank you so much for today. I thank you, thank you, thank you just for uh, being a God that is alive. I thank you, Lord, that uh, we are not here surrounding an idea, uh, but you, a person. And I thank you, Lord, that... I just thank you that, that, that you are not just alive, but you're near to us. I love specifically, it says that you're near to the brokenhearted. And so I love that if anyone's in here just, just, just down today, Lord, I just thank you that you are near them. Um, but I thank you as well, Lord, that you are sitting next to everyone on the pew uh, as a partner, as a father. And I just, uh, I just thank you for your true and tangible presence. And I just pray, as the words I'm saying, help it be filtered uh, through you and your voice, Lord. And, and may you just help us like uh, see things different, uh, but really walk in your ways, in, in, the, in the ways that you're calling us to do so. And as always... We pray just for our local churches around the valley. There's so many amazing ones we always mention from uh, Pillar to uh, Jesus Church to uh, Calvary to all these churches, right? 
preaching your gospel. Um, I just pray, God, that you be with our brothers and sisters across the valley uh, surrounding your name as your name is continued to be glorified here. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Have you ever had someone in leadership or someone with more authority than you make your life miserable? We, how many feel, have we have had people in our lives that make our life miserable, right? Have you ever had someone, it could be a bad policy maker, it could be a bad law maker, it could be a bad boss, it could be a bad manager, you know, the, the likes like, when authority is in times uh, unethical, fake, harsh, disrespectful, uh, bad laws, bad policies, micromanage, create a false narrative about you, take credit for your work, steal your tips, hate on your beliefs. If you've experienced one or more of these things, you're not alone, as we just mentioned earlier in the room. I've also experienced that. Now, we'll say this. I've had some pretty incredible men and women uh, people in authority over my life. I have been across some of the most savage leaders by far that are amazing, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. And I've also had times where uh, I've been uh, under people that weren't, to, to, to put it nicely. So years ago, uh, I was working in construction, right? And there was this person over authority in, in, in this project I was working on. And we all knew a little bit of a loose cannon, right? I was young, I was just out of high school, and I'm helping framing something. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm teachable, right? I'm learning, I'm there helping. And as I'm doing this, uh, this person in authority just goes ballistic on me for something. He stands up as he's next to me. He starts screaming at me, cussing me out, and I'm like, I'm gonna knock him out. I'm gonna knock him out. Like, he's smaller than me, I'm gonna knock him out. So disrespectful, right? And I was raging. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this dude's treating me this way. So I walked away fuming, and I was thinking through, I was like, you know what? I, I'm gonna actually go back. I'm gonna blindside him, and I'm, I'm gonna fight him. Like, forget this guy, right? Like, I don't care if he's like, he's the kind of boss on this project or not. He's gonna get, he's getting, he's getting hands, right? So I go back, and we had this other, there's another guy on staff, he, he was a pastor, he's bivocational, and he goes, he comes over, he's like, he goes, Jared, 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 and I'm like, what? And he's like, he's like, you need, just calm down. I'm like, no, I'm going to fight him, forget that. Like, it's so disrespectful to me, he's like, Jared, Jared, he's like, I just like, do not worry about him, just, you got to control your emotions. And, and thankfully, he, he really, he calmed me down in, in that moment. But, but I mentioned that story because, you know, when you have a bad boss, leader, policymaker, lawmaker, whatever it is, right, what does that make you want to do? So, like, when you have a bad leader, like, leadership of the country, of the state, at a governor level, as a boss, as a just authority over you in general, when it's bad and you're in disagreement, what does that make you want to do? I'll just name a few. Uh, some of us will not work to the best of our ability so that their business suffers. Uh, we'll stop working hard to prevent them from looking successful. We'll do bad work on purpose to make the boss look bad. We'll make extremely unwise Facebook posts, tweets, and or TikToks, which is like a thing right now. So like if you're under 30, let's just not make posts uh, on social media about our boss. Just like, just that's for free. It was just not wise. Uh, we'll continue. Uh, 
We'll talk trash behind their back and even as into their face as an act of defiance. We'll be extremely disrespectful both privately and publicly. We'll plot revenge on how to ruin their careers. And what ends up happening is, is we start to become the very thing we hate. We start to literally do the same thing. It's just in the reverse of the same kind of bad things we're getting. We bring it back to them. And some of us not may have thought or done any of these things outwardly, but you have for sure in your heart. With a bad leader, bad manager, bad boss, bad governor, bad whatever you want to, whoever's making your life hard in a leadership, we all have had those things, right? And yet, as Jesus followers, as new creations, as holy people, as a people of his own possession, Jesus is calling us to something different. Like he's calling us to walk in a manner that is actually shocking and very countercultural. And so I bring you to the point today. What I want you to know is the good you are called to do in life is not dependent on the quality of your leader. And I'm not saying just the person above you. I'm saying in life, leadership, governors, like nationally, you name it. The good you're called to do is not dependent on the quality of your leader. Here's why. Because doing good to those in authority who sometimes do bad to us is a living demonstration of God's grace towards them, right? So when I'm getting bad, if I can by the Spirit and navigate this and show them grace, I'm actually being a conduit of Jesus, right? So let's, let's recap First Peter. We got to catch up. We got to catch up. Week one, what do we talk about? That we are exiles on our way somewhere, right? Not somewhere here, but there to be with Jesus. And in the midst, because this is not your land, you will not be uh, celebrated for your beliefs in Jesus, right? And so that means you and I are going to endure trials for your faith. If you haven't, it'll happen at some point, right? And so in the midst of that, we talked about, well, thank God we have a living hope, meaning I'm on my way somewhere to be with Jesus. He says he's resurrected and with me, which praise God for that, and says that my trial is not going to last forever. And so we're on this journey. Mark talks about in week two that being holy is not something we achieve. It's something we live. And so on our journey, he's, God's calling us to holiness, not uh, religiosity, not moralism, but really to be near, around, be shaped by Jesus, and that in turn changes you from the inside out, right? But then we get to what Brian said last week. So we're on our way somewhere. God's calling us to live holy. So he says, he said, pound the muscle milk that is plugging into Jesus, right? He's like, you're on your journey. Make sure you got, you got the good water, the good, the good uh, muscle milk, the whatever, that is Jesus, right, to power you through your journey. And he says, at the same time, discard what's weighing you down. we got to discard that because the time is now to continue preaching the gospel and building the church, right? So it brings us to week four. Let's go. Pump for this. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject. Let me, I'll just stop here. This is going to be a very hard thing to hear, and we're going to have to think through it uh, together. Ready? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme, you could say president, to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, 
that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, or I should say, the church. Fear God. Have the awe of God in your life. Honor the emperor, or even we could say president. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin or beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we may die to sin and live to righteousness." By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so what I want to talk about and discuss a little bit is I want to give you three kind of observations that will be super helpful. Like Peter is being super practical here, and I'll make sure to tease it out the best way I can. Observation number one, respect the position even if you don't respect the person. It says this, 1 Peter 2.13, be subject for the Lord's sake. And it says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So let's talk about the first line. It says, be subject to, which means uh, uh, put yourself under. Uh, this word is called, like, use uh, submission, you're going to hear. But if you ever see the word submission, I want you to think it in lines of submission means to me, I'm being obedient to God. I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna keep teasing this stuff out, but I'm being obedient to God. So it says, submit yourselves to, but notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say be subject to righteous emperors or presidents or governors. It just says be subject to, no matter what their character if you're not squirming in your chairs, it's, it's, it's okay if you are, right? But, but we're going to get to it. Look at the reason, though. Why would we be subject to uh, people in authority, right? And it says this, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. It's not just for any reason. It's, it's for the Lord's sake. So why is that important? Because God might have chosen you to be the messenger and conduit of God's grace towards them, even though you don't want to. How many times has God told you to do something you're not a fan of? All the time, right? You're like, is, was, that can't be you, right? You're like, that's, that's, that, that doesn't make sense. And you're like, that, that, that was, it's so insane that you would say some of the things, but then you follow it and you're, you're like, okay, but I gotta remember, anytime God tells me or you to do something, if we believe that he's good, that means anything that he says to you is for your good, for the good of others, and for God's glory, right? So every time God tells us something, trust me, he's got the whole thing figured out, he knows the plan. So uh, here's the thing, God has chosen each and every one of us not just to show those in authority grace, but he chose you for the blessing as well. 
to reap the rewards of your faithfulness. Did you know that being faithful to what God says, it's not just like some future blessing. Like you can get blessings here on earth and in heaven because of following Jesus and what he says. I've seen it time and time again in my life where you do things that are so countercultural and then somehow it just reaps insane fruit. I'll talk more about that later. So here's, what, here's the interesting thing. It's much easier to show grace towards those who are under-resourced and under you in, this, in like society. You know why? Because they have no power to make your life hard. They, they cannot dictate and change the things of your life. And so even some people will love and just gloat how they're serving the underserved, but it's really more so not so altruistic. It's more kind of savior complex, stroke my ego and my pride. It, it happens. I've seen it. See, whereas when you love someone who is above you, who is not the greatest, like that is, that's pretty insane because they have the power to make your life hard. And there's not a lot of dopamine that comes with doing that, right? When you're serving the underserved, you're like, man, I'm making a difference. You're loving this person who's making your life hard. You're like, not getting the serotonin here. I'm looking for it. It's not coming. But there is a blessing for your faithfulness. You see, it says in the verses above, it says that, uh, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, which means that if you didn't know this, the Lord's name actually now rests on you. Like you are now marked because of your following of Jesus, right? Which means your behavior, your attitude, how we honor all of us is a representation of him wherever we go. Like there's like massive stakes that like it, just to give you like the weight of it, it's like, oh man, like uh, that's why it says don't take the Lord's name in vain. It doesn't say don't say the Lord's name in vain. It says don't take, meaning I'm not gonna take God's name in vain wherever I go. I could just explain that, but that's a whole nother thing. But the problem is we don't realize that. Right? Like, I forget it all the time. I'm like, I, I'm just like, I'm Jared. Like, I'm doing my thing. And God's like, remember, my name is on you, right? And so when the quality of the, those in authority over us is not ideal, what often happens is we will react just like the world. We'll retaliate, become disrespectful, you name it. And what does that do? It allows people outside the faith to look at us and go, see, <laughs> what makes Jesus different? You're like, oh, hey, I thought you're, has anyone ever done this? I thought you're supposed to be a Christian. It's happened every now and then to me as well. Now, does that mean we aren't allowed to speak up, ask questions, uh, go to our authority with concerns, at times call things out and be pacifists? No, that's not what Peter's saying. But it does mean in those cases that we're prayerful, we ask the Lord for wisdom, and we move by the Spirit's direction. So what is Peter saying, y'all? He's saying, if people are going to make your life hard, who aren't authority, it, it, it is saying, if people are gonna hate on you for your belief who are in authority to you, the scriptures are saying, do good despite what they do. Why? Because you're demonstrating God's grace toward them. Your act of submission, a.k.a. your obedience to God, 
in those moments could be the key or bridge to them knowing him in the future. See, if they hate on your belief, let it be for their foolishness and their foolishness alone. If they hate on your belief, let it not be because you retaliated, you didn't work hard in your job, you did something wrong, you handled things poorly. He's saying, focus on doing good at all times, and if they still treat you poorly, that's on them, not you. And Christ is magnified, and you will be rewarded for your faithfulness. Why? Because the good you're called to do is not dependent on the quality of the leader. Because doing good to those in authority who do bad to you is a living demonstration of God's grace toward them. It's for the Lord's sake. Now, I hear it already. Trust me. Every person in this room, if not everyone, is saying, yeah, but what about when leadership commands things that, like, aren't, that are in direct opposition to God? Glad you asked. I'm here for it. As scripture reminds you and I over and over, you and I are exiles. We're not of this world. We are under another kingdom who has another king, which is to say, if anything King Jesus says, anything he says trumps anything a lowercase king here says on this earth, right? So anytime Jesus says something, his word is, is the, the trump card to anything someone says here on earth. Here's an interesting point. Uh, is it illegal right now to commit adultery? No. Uh, does God, oh, is he cool with adultery? No. Uh, in fact, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter five, we know that Jesus says, actually, I'm gonna ratchet that up a little bit higher. Even if you commit adultery in your heart, you're guilty of the same sin. So God's laws are always higher and we're always under that versus authority. So it's, it's hopefully that makes things clear, Right? God is the, the, he is the one that we are ultimately reporting to. But I tell you this because in light of this chapter and this message is like there are times in our lives for civil disobedience. There's times for it. I can give you, I can give you tons of different examples, but the reality is you can partake in civil disobedience while honoring and being respectful, but it does take wisdom. Your boldness to speak the truth or disobey can never outweigh your need for wisdom and discretion from the Holy Spirit. But let's give some, some examples for, from, uh, for civil disobedience. Let's talk Exodus first. What happens in Exodus? The people of Israel are in captivity to Egypt. They are growing in numbers, and the Pharaoh of the time said, they're too much, they're growing too much, I'm afraid of them trying to overtake us, so he puts out a, a, a command you need to kill all the baby boys. It says here behind me. When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, you shall kill him, but if it's a daughter, she shall live. But what does it say? But the midwives feared God. They didn't do as the king, Egypt, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. Here's the result of that. So God dealt well with the midwives. He multiplied, they multiplied and grew strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Sometimes, listen, like, whatever Jesus says, that is the thing that goes, right? And if the commands down here don't jive with what's up here, you, you don't have to follow that, right? We'll continue. And Daniel says this behind me. Then this, Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom, 
Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground or complaint or any faults because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with his God. By the way, that, that paragraph right there should be our life motto as Christians, as like believers in the workspace. We should be so excellent at work and fall, like just being excellent that people should be like, I have no way I can hate on you except for your belief. Now, in case of Daniel, here's what happened. These people go up to the king. They say, hey, what do you think about a decree uh, where basically if anyone uh, worships another god for the next 30 days outside of you, we put in the lion's den. So here's what it says. When Daniel knew that that document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. What did he do? He's like, forget that. He got down on his knee three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, what happens to Daniel? They tell on him and he gets thrown in the lion's den and God redeems him. But do you see the decree says, here, you can't worship God. He's like, no, I'm, I'm, I have one king, right? Lastly, I'll use Peter, right? Peter's interesting. Uh, Peter, after Jesus is, uh, has ascended, Peter just keeps getting arrested all the time. Uh, but he's very respectful while he does it, right? And it says this in Acts. It says, when they had brought them, they set them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us? And Peter and all the apostles answered, hey, we gotta, we gotta obey God rather than men. Like you, you can't, like I, preaching the gospel is the number one thing. Like even though you say I can't, like I'm still going to do it, right? And so I tell you all that because there are times for civil disobedience, but I also tell you that these, two, these couple stories too is because sometimes the faithfulness of believers has massive impact for a ton of people. I.e. Joseph, Joseph, because he was excellent and did good and endured something in his role uh, as he went through Egypt, he actually was able to become the vice president of the world superpower. And then he goes, King, Pharaoh, can I actually have all my family come stay with us? And so they were able to avoid a famine because God gifts some of you in this room with governance, the decisions you make and the places that God will bring you, you will have insane impact on the rest of us. We'll keep it going. The good you're called to do is not depend on the quality of the leader because God doing good to those in authority who do bad to you is a living demonstration of God's grace toward them. Remember in those cases, right? Like you will need wisdom and discretion. You can't just pop off uh, because just without going to the Lord thinking about certain things, right? Let's continue. Observation number two, respond with what's wrong with what's right. That's where the favor is. It says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only the good and gentle, but also the unjust, for this is a gracious thing when been mindful of God. It says this, what credit is it if when you sin or being for you endure, but if when you do good and suffer and you endure, he says, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, before we talk about favor, I don't have enough time but I would love to talk to you about this word, slaves. 
right? This, is a, uh, this can be a hot topic. A lot of people will take shots at your belief, will say things like, the Bible condones slavery, which is not true if you would just do, a, I think, a 20-minute deep dive, 30 minutes, hour, whatever you want. You can really find the answers, right? But let me give you a little bit of context. When we think of slaves as us, we think of European colonialism. It's not what, that's not how it was in antiquity, right? In antiquity, like, sure, there are terrible masters who did horrible things, i.e., Pharaoh, Egypt, imprisoning the Israelites, right? That's not a good thing. However, like, culturally, slavery was more uh, employment, if you will. Like, like when you talk about slaves uh, back then in antiquity, you could not identify a slave by socioeconomic status, ethnicity, uh, ethnic group, you name it, literally anyone could be one. Meaning you could be an actor, businessman, lawyer, whatever, like you could be a slave, right? And, and, and the, the, the context would be you and I could have a million dollar house and our neighbor has a $1.25 million house and I would have no idea that they're a slave, right? It depends like who they're under, right? And so I tell you all this because uh, we, we, we think of it in the wrong way, whereas like this is more employment to bring it into 2023. In fact, Joseph, vice president of Egypt, the world superpower at the time, he was a slave. Daniel, vice president high up in Babylon, he was a slave. Right? So it's, it's not always the same thing. The best way to think about these when you're thinking about it for yourself is employment, right? So here's what it's saying. Servants be subject to your masters with all respect, right? The idea is like do good despite your boss and or leader. And then it says at the end in verse 20, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. What is Peter saying? He's saying when you suffer for doing good, like if your boss like hates on you for your belief leadership. We have this like from a, from a law perspective, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of different decisions being made, things that can impact us, all the things, right? He's saying when you're suffering, when you don't repay evil for evil, when you don't trade disrespect for disrespect, it says God the Father, God's pleasure and delight is on you. Here's why. Because God looks at you and goes, that's the gospel, that's my heart right there. You're doing good to someone that's making your life miserable. Like you, you, you still pray for them, even though they make your life hard. You still are generous to them. Like you, you, you're still, you do this. Like that is the, the gospel. And it says like the Lord, when he sees that in his heart, it's literally like, man, I'm thankful. That is, that's incredible. That is my heart. Um, a story about this would be, uh, there was this teacher missionary in a Middle Eastern conference, uh, Middle Eastern country, right? And uh, he one day is catching a taxi to go to his house, and he's all of a sudden surrounded by five terrorists. Uh, and they surround him in a circle, which means it's not going to go well for him, right? And so they ask, where are you going? He says, I'm, I'm actually just catching a taxi to go home. And, and they said, hey, just uh, come ride with us. And now uh, I think the logical, wise answer would be, no, I'm okay. I don't need to go there. Uh, but he asked the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And the Holy Spirit says, get in the car. He's like, that can't be God. Forget that. I'm not getting in that car. But he ends up getting the car, right? Someone in the driver's seat, someone in shotgun, two people in the back. He's in the middle, right? 
And they go, so where do you, uh, where do you live? And he's like, I'm not giving my address. He goes, I live uh, that way. And they start driving this way. And they start going out to the outskirts of the city and into the desert. And all of a sudden, the guy in shotgun turns around. He says, hey, we know who you are. Because essentially, he's a missionary. We know who you are. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to drive you out to the desert, put you on trial, then we're going to kill you. What do you think about that? He's thinking, what do I think about that? Who asked that question, right? What do I think about you telling me I'm going to die? And he said, I, he said, I asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And then he responded with this. He said, I just want you to know that uh, I love you, I'm not afraid of you, and I want to be your friend. And he said, the guy, he said, when I said it, from my, one of my favorite pastors, he said, I said it, and he's like, something changed in the car. And he said, the guy was shocked. He turned around. He's just like, you want to be our friend? He said, yeah, I want to be our friend. You know, yeah, kind of. You know, <laughs> So sure enough, the guy goes, okay, okay, you want to be our friend? He said, okay, uh, tell us where you live. We'll actually drop you off. And, I, and we will send a car for you tomorrow night, and you and your wife have to be on that car and go hang out with us if you really are serious about being our friend. So he gets, he, they drive him home. He gets into his apartment. He's like, hey, honey, how are you? And she goes, like, uh, hey, how are you, honey? And she, she, he goes, well, uh, I'm doing good. And she's like, how was your day? He's like, well, we got dinner reservations tomorrow. Uh, and so he goes, hey, I... Uh, yeah, it tells her the story. So she prays about it. The Holy Spirit's like, no, go get on that car. Next day, they send a car for him and drive out, not into the deserts, into the mountains, right, where these people were staying. And they just sat down, broke bread with them, told them about Jesus, how it's just, just their experience, so on and so forth. And they, like, led them to the Lord, right? And so at the very end, uh, in, while they were, like, having dinner was like, you know, I am so grateful that you wanted to be my friend even though I told you I was going to kill you. And he goes, that started a movement of people following Jesus. Why? Because someone chose to show someone in authority God's grace. That's just, that's just unheard of and un unbelievable. Is that to say that if he showed glory, like grace that way, that it's always going to turn out like that? No. But it is a way of you and I being a conduit towards authority to be like, man, here is God's grace. Because remember, the good we're called to do is not depend on the quality of our leader. Observation number three, we'll close out. Follow Jesus. He isn't asking us to do something he hasn't done already. It says this, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving us an example so that we might follow in his steps. Ultimately, this is why I'm here. Like, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to stay close. And he gave us an example. It says this in verse 23. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And so ultimately, what Jesus is showing us is he humbled himself under poor authority because he loved them, even at their worst. Ultimately, Jesus' motivation wasn't, I'm trying to be a good person. 
His motivation was love. And even when Jesus was mistreated, misaligned, and ultimately murdered, he was still showing the love of God all to the very end. That he who knew no sin would become sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God, right? And so I thought rather than talking about this more, I'll just read a couple of verses. On the way to this crucifixion, in Luke 23 behind me, it says, Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee even to this place. And in the next subsequent verse, it says that basically nothing because Jesus didn't try to defend himself. Then it says this, uh, Pilate sends him to Herod. He's like, you deal with him. Said so he was questioned him at some length, but Jesus made no answer. The chief priests, the scribes, they stood by vehemently accusing him and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him, then arrayed him in splendid clothing and he sent him back to Pilate. And what you'll see all the way up into the crucifixion is that Jesus is continually being treated poorly by authorities, both Romans and Jews. And what does Jesus do? He continues to humble himself. Why? because the answer to me is a little bit later. He said on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because in order for you and I, for them to experience total forgiveness, Jesus decided to not walk in sin, but walk in faithfulness to the Father so that he could be the sacrificial lamb on our behalf. As John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Lamb. He didn't say the lion. He didn't say the, the tiger. He didn't say the bear. He said the Lamb. It's not an amazing like animal. No, 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 because a Lamb in those times was for sacrifice. He says, that's him. He's the one that's gonna do it for us. He's the one that's gonna live the life we couldn't live, die the death we should have died so that we might be free to live to righteousness, as it said. And the reality is, is that you and I will never be able to walk by Jesus in this way We'll never be able to love and forgive those in authority over us until we realize that we are the people in the story. We may have all made accusations against God. We trample on his grace. We abuse the gifts, time, power he's given us. And yet, Jesus humbles himself. And he loves you and I right where we are and shows us kindness. And because he has shows us kindness, that we can then do it for people who do not deserve it. That's grace. That's the gospel. And we'll never be able to live like Jesus until we experience grace ourselves. So I just pray that the Holy Spirit would show us like how forgiven of a people we are so that we can do the unthinkable and love those who absolutely don't deserve it. Because remember, the good you're called to do is not dependent on the quality of your leader because doing good to those in authority who even do bad to you is a living demonstration of God's grace toward them. So what do I am asking us to do? Just honor authority, do good always, even if people are unjust, because it's in those moments you're emulating God's grace toward them. And I'll include with this. So many of us right now are asking, well, what's in it for me? I'm tired 
my like whatever it is I'm dealing with, like it's horrible, like they're not good, so on and so forth, right? Like I'm just exhausted of doing good. I'm exhausted of being faithful. I'm exhausted following you. I don't see results to this thing, man. But I just wanna remind you what Galatians 6, 9 says. Let us not grow, for in due season, you will reap if you don't give up. Jesus says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now. There is so much reward for our faithfulness. So my ask is this, it's very nuanced. It's hard independent of your leader. Do I say something? What do I do? Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, we're gonna need it. But ultimately, let's try to be like Jesus, filled with the Spirit, walk by His Spirit, and see what God may do through each and every one of us. Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, for your uh, grace toward us. I thank you, God, that I, I am the one in the story making the accusations. I'm the one that was the skeptic, was doubting you, hating on you, and that you still would love me and us. And so, Lord, I pray that by your grace, you would change us from the inside out. And God, that in the midst of our changing cultural climate, Lord, give us wisdom in how to navigate so that we may not be a barrier to the revival and the gospel that is being uh, proclaimed and going out from here on out. And Lord, I just thank you that as it gets darker, oh, the light gets so much brighter and easier to distinguish. And so I just thank you, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.